on page 111, and I'm starting, okay? So let's look at our little beige box friend over here on the top. In the previous year, last week, we were discussing many different aspects of the mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles, right? And the reason behind it. In this year, we're going to continue discussing additional aspects of Halakad Neirot, such as who is obligated to light and the procedure of lighting, which obviously today, this is a, uh, I don't say it's funny, everyone assumes that just the wife lights, right? Or your daughter lights or whatever. Everyone assumes it's a women's thing. But it's really not. And we're going to see that today. And what happens is that some people hold that the husband should, since he's not going to light the candles, he has to turn on other lights in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Which usually happens just because, meaning I think in, in a lot of houses that just naturally happens. No, the men do the lights. I always go around to make sure all the lights are done and everything. And my wife does the candle. But I think it's even the style that the men are more like, you know, is everything okay? Checking off the boxes before Shabbos starts. And you know, exactly. And the men are looking at the clock. Is it Shabbos? Oh, are they going to make lighting? The women are just, it just miraculously, everything <laughs> falls into place, right? Somehow everything just happens. It's a miracle. It's a miracle every week. Okay, so the precedence for women lighting Shabbos candles. It's clear from Chazal that although both men and women are obligated in this mitzvah, women usually take the active role in lighting the candles. Right. So the Mishnah Mesech the Shabbos, which is the first source that we have for this mitzvah, states, which is not the first source. We obviously spoke about it in this past week's, the week before this, um, the Parsha of Sarah, and it was a miracle, and passed down to Rivka, and etc., etc. But where it actually speaks about it halakhically starts in the Mishnah Mesech the Shabbos. States that just before Shabbos, a man must remind the members of his household to light, which presumably refers primarily to his wife. Okay? So what does the mission on Shabbos say? We'll do some Hebrew. Shlosha dvarm tzarch adam lomar betoch beso erev Shabbos im chashecha. Asartem, araftem, hedliku etaner. What does that mean? Have you tithed? Have you tithed? Which I guess today we sort of haven't do that anymore. Have you placed the Eruv? Might, or I guess back in the day they had where the Eruv was a very different idea. What? No, but I mean like we don't... Meaning it's not the if people are. Because you go to your friend's house and you pick the oranges from his tree now. Oh, there it is. If yeah. You walk, you have to of course, no, I'm saying, but here in Iriamin, maybe that would be more like, you know, I know Batnayan, for example, I went to this guy's house, Mayor Rhodes. They have unbelievable, in their backyard, he has a whole, they live off their backyard. Well, here in Iriamin, where we go to, uh, what's it called? What's that place where the well, foods yeah. look? Here. No. The place where the fruits are very expensive, tiras, but they're gorgeous, right? We just get the tiras fruits, and we just hope somebody uh, meisered it along the way. But over here, he's supposed to ask his family three things. What? Yeah. Yes, yes, and that's why they send out the announcement, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure, for sure. And they send out the announcement, the air is up and everything. Yeah, definitely. What? So over here, I've never seen the no, announcement. I'm talking about... Over here, I've never yeah, seen the announcement. They used to put it, like, in the, when they came with the Shabbos notes. Yeah. yeah. Like, at 2 o'clock on Friday, the air has been checked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've seen it in Miami. I don't know why over here. What? Yeah. Over here, we just... <laughs> over here, everyone just assumes. I don't know why, actually. It's very interesting. It's a good point. No, in Miami, there's... And Miami, it was a famous thing, actually. There was a guy, Rabbi... I forgot his name now. But he would go in a, in a full kapata, full sirtuk, big beard, and he had an ATV on the beach in Miami. And he was like, he was, a, he was an icon. Like everyone in Miami knew every Friday this guy this comes with a beard and his black coat driving down the beach with ATV checking the Arab. Exactly. Yeah, when you're checking the Arab, you really can't 
Okay, so he says like this. So then the Medrash, that's the first source. Mishnah Shabbos, that's the thing the husband's supposed to say. Did you take my sir? Did you make the Eruv? And did you light Shabbos candles? Okay, which actually, by the way, I don't know the source for this, but there's a custom. I personally do this custom. I saw my father-in-law do it, so I thought I would do it, is that there's a custom that the man to set up, I don't see this here, I'm bringing this to myself, the man to set up the candles and then to light the candle and blow them out. So that then it's easier for the woman to light because. I don't light it, oh, blow it out, but I set it up. What? Okay, so maybe that's an extra step, but you set it up, and if you then it makes it easier to light. It's just a way of making the process easier. What? Okay. Okay. So fine. So here we go. Medrash and Bereshis Rabbah says one reason for women to take precedence in this mitzvah more than men. He says. They asked Rabbi Yeshua, Shalom at Rabbi Yeshua. And why was the mitzvah of Shabbos candles given to the women? And he responded, since she extinguished the soul of Adam Arishon by offering him fruit from the tree of knowledge from the Eitz therefore she was given the mitzvah of the Shabbos candle. Interesting. Okay, so it comes from a negative place, according to the Medrash. The Rambam, though, comes along, and he gives a different reason altogether. Right? He says, no, this is not, uh, this is not the reason. He says... Yes, he says both of them are obligated in this mitzvah. Which means technically if the woman forgets, a lot of times the men think, oh, if the woman forgets, it's all her. It's really both the men and the women are obligated to make sure that this gets done. But the Rambam continues and he says that women are commanded in this matter more than men as they are usually at home and deal with the work of the house. So it's a very basic thing. If the man is going to shul for mincha and candle lighting is five minutes before, seven minutes before mincha, it makes sense that the woman's going to do it because the man is leaving the house to go daven. So very practical. So the Rambam gives a more positive, uh, positive outlook on the situation. The Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch follows the explanation of the Rambam. Okay, so Shulchan Aruch Arachayim comes along and says, yes, the women are warned about it more as they are more in the house at that time. And just a tip of marriage advice from Ramendal, that's the reason you should tell your wife, not the Bracious Rabba reason. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, you have the experience, right? You have yes, the this years. is my years of marriage experience. I'm sharing marriage tips. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So the Bach, the Bach comes along and he says that the practical ramification of women being commanded about this mitzvah more than men is that even if the husband wants to light himself, he does not have the right. He's not allowed to light. Right? Let's say the husband is nervous. Let's say a very common situation can happen. The husband is stressed. He's like, my wife's not going to make candle lighting. I'll just light the candles. The box says he cannot. The box says he does not have the right. Like you said, it's not his domain. He can't just go ahead. Well, let's see what he says. Let's see what he says. He says the Mishnah Brewer summarizes this in the next source and adds that if, the can- if many candles are lit, the husband may also light some if he wishes. So women are warned, even if the husband wants to light himself, the wife takes precedence unless there are many candles, in which case he may also light. Okay, so he doesn't give a reason for it, why it's her domain, but he says that's the fact, it's the women's domain. So the husband, even if you're stressed and he says, I'll just do it myself, we say, no, don't touch it, just let it, let her do the Shabbos candles, don't get involved. Two minutes before Shkia. Two minutes before Shkia, even if you think it's not possible, that the candles are going to be lit? Faith. Yeah. <laughs> Faith. Faith. <laughs> okay, so you are Baruch Hashem. Yes, no, truth is, it never crossed my mind either. Yeah, it never crossed my mind either, to be honest. So, yeah, but good advice. Good advice from the Bach and the Mishnah Brewer. 
So then the question is, do girls light at home? So there are different customs regarding lighting candles at home. The Shmir Shabbos Kehil writes that some have the custom for all girls that have reached the age of Chinuch, which is around six years old, to light their own candles. Ideally, these candles should not be lit in the same place as the main candles. Why? So the Shmir Shabbos Kehil says that some have the custom that the girls who have reached the age of Chinuch, six years old, should light the candles. But he says, and he says, some also make a bracha on this lighting, just to teach them to get used to it, so that once they turn 12 and everything, that they know how to do the mitzvah. For those who have this custom, it is good for each girl to light in a different room that is used on Shabbos, where that is possible. Why? Rab Simcha Bunim Kohen notes that the Lubavitcher Rebbe famously urged all girls over the age of three to light Shabbos candles, though he did not mention that they should light in different rooms. Which means the Rebbe was very encouraging in order to get girls to be more involved that they should light Shabbos candles. Which now on a side note, since we're doing a shir, I can share with you a story. That there was once a young bacher, a guy in his 18 years old or something, and he went on America Shulchis to Alaska. Okay? And he was sent to, I forgot the name of the town in Alaska. I actually myself also went on America Shulchis to Wasilla, Alaska. And I can tell you it truly feels like the middle of nowhere. Like when you say you're in the middle of nowhere... Feels like there's not even like people. Forget like you know going to a random country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are little pockets of Jews around Alaska. I actually have a friend who's moving right now to Juneau, Alaska. To Juneau. Yes. By the way, it's actually interesting that people get placed. I this friend. I don't know if it's finalized yet. He told me a few months ago he was going. He is a friend who always loved nature. He always did these nature programs and everything. And now he's going to be living in Juneau, Alaska. Meaning. Good salmon fishing, yes. He get the salmon straight from the stream. Forget the whole, yeah. So this guy, what? You could see Russia. Yeah, you could wave, wave at our friends. So he, this guy, this young bucker, he went to this town and there was literally no Jews. They said there's nobody Jewish here. And he spoke, and in general, that's how it works. You go to like these little villages and he spoke to the mayor. The mayor like is probably a little office at a desk or whatever. So yeah, we have no Jews in this neighborhood. So he says, okay, fine, so could I at least go to the school? I'll give a little class in the school. I'll tell them about Jews and what Jews are and be a light unto the nations, the seven Noahide laws, whatever. He says, yeah, sure, why not? So he goes and gives this class, and he asks in the room, and he says, is anybody here Jewish? So one of the girls raises her hand, and the little girl says, she says, I'm not Jewish, but my mother's Jewish. <laughs> so he gets, of course, his whole, you know, his antenna goes up. Yeah, and he's thinking to himself, how could I leave here and make an impact on this girl that she'll never forget this, right? Because I have one chance, right? That this girl, she didn't even know she was Jewish. So he tells her, not only is your mother Jewish, he says, you are 100% Meach who is Jewish. And he says that you should know that because Alaska is the most, I don't know what it is, the most northern place or whatever in the world, that you are the entire world of Jewish women is lighting Shabbat candles on Friday afternoon. Every single Jewish woman, he said, all over the world. He told her from Spain to China to America to Mexico. Every <laughs> Jewish woman is lighting Shabbat candles. And it's all going in a cycle, right? And because Alaska, you're the last one. He says, the whole world is waiting for you to be the last one to light the Shabbat candles. And he pulled that off the cuff, this random guy. And who knows? Maybe that girl, who knows? You probably never forgot that, right? I don't know how. I wonder what the father felt about that. What? I don't know. I don't even know the name of the book or the story, but it's it's a beautiful, you know, to think of how to make someone feel. And that was something which he says over here, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, about urging girls. It was the idea behind it is that you want to empower people, right? 
And if you have girls who are young, if they don't feel a part of Judaism at all, if they always feel like, oh, my brother has all this stuff that he learns from, from dad, from Abba, and they do all this stuff, and they go to shul, and I do nothing, it doesn't empower them. It doesn't make them interested. Which I have to say is beautiful from coming to this community, which I haven't seen as much in other um, religious communities, is that the women learn tremendously, which is an amazing thing, because then they feel more empowered. They feel more into the Judaism instead of just being like a side note, you know, a sidekick. So then there's a sefer called The Radiance of Shabbos. I'm not sure who wrote that. Oh, it's Rav Simcha Bunim Cohen. He writes, oh, and he writes what we just said. Okay, fine. Ravad Yosef writes that among Sephardim, unmarried women never had the custom to light at home, and those who wish to do so should certainly not recite a bracha. So according to the Sephardic custom, if you're not married, you don't light. You only, marry, you only light when you get married. So the more prevalent custom among Ashkenazim as well is for girls and unmarried women not to light their own candle when they are home. So that's the general minhag if you're wondering about Ashkenazim, is that if the woman is not married, she doesn't light, but rather to fulfill their obligation through the lighting of their mother, as noted by the Pnine Halacha. What so, if she's not married? What? what if, she's if she's living alone, she for sure should light, because we were explaining that it has to be the home needs to have, not so for sure. Not correct, because they would light. Oh, you're saying, yeah, 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 it should be more, yeah, they should be more specific, yes, 100%. No, but also he was saying, which is very important, is that it's, Really, what we know from learning this whole, which is the whole beauty of learning the Allah and the logic behind it, is that the key is that the home needs to have the candle. So if someone's in a home and there's no one else there, married, not married, whatever it is, there needs to be Shabbos candles. And Whoever it is, a man. man. As well. What? Man as well. So what a lot of people do, like we were discussing, a lot of people do the, the electric light. Because the main idea they were discussing is Shabbos candles. Is it Onig Shabbos? Is it Kibbutz Shabbos? Is it, you know, so... Most people, what they do is they just make sure that there's a light on and they don't light. Like the men don't light uh, a Shabbos candle if they're on a business trip. But it's a question whether it's better to or not. So he says like this, lighting candles away from home. Oh, he goes into this right now. We saw in the previous year that an individual who's away from home for Shabbos on a business trip, let's say, is obligated to light candles with a bracha if he or she is given their own private room. In this section, we will discuss additional sources and details about lighting candles away from home. So now we're going to get more into it. But what he just said is, if, for example, you're on a business trip and you're in a hotel room, you should light Shabbos candles. Very interesting, because I don't think most people do this. So this is one of those times in the Lacha where you're like, oh, wow, I never did that. What? So that's different. That's if it's a fire hazard, which generally speaking, it is a fire hazard. You should light in the lobby because that's, yeah, because that's a problem of, of just danger. Yeah. Or flip a switch. But he's going to get into it now. It could be he's going to say it needs to be a candle. If one is not given his own room, but shares a room with his host or a member of the host's family, it's the host who has the primary responsibility for ensuring that all of the rooms are sufficiently well lit. Okay. However, some Rishonim understand that each person or household has an individual obligation to participating in the lighting of Shabbat candles in some way, in all circumstances. They compare this to the obligation to light Hanukkah candles, regarding which the Gemara Masech the Shabbos says that a guest must pay towards the candles lit by his host, if one is lighting in the guest's own home. Okay? So, yeah, that's what he said. Like other candles. So over here, the key is, just to be clear, is that basically, like, you know, like what you take out of it to a practical application, if someone's on a business trip and they're in a hotel room, they should light Shabbat candles. They should light a candle or two. Probably in the lobby would be the best place. Also, it doesn't take much. And they should light Shabbat candles. That's just no. a short... Men or women, yeah. If you have, and especially if you have your own room over here, he's saying, 
even if you don't have your own room, meaning today I don't think it's a practical you know, thing that happens, but let's say you would be sharing a room with your host, then he's saying it's complicated. I don't think that happens. I don't think anybody shares a room with their host. So as long as you have your own room, you have the obligation to light Shabbat candles. Yes. Yeah, you know, we're talking about actual Shabbat candles. Actual Shabbat candles, yes. Oh, actual, not you can't use electric. No, so he's saying, so some people, they're saying electric, but here he's saying that it would be best, meaning if you want to be like, you know. Last week we talked about electric. Yeah, because then he's saying, is it Onik Shabbos or Kibbutz Shabbos? But over here he's saying, if you want to be. If you want to be Yotze, you should light your own candles. Interesting, because I've never, you know, I don't think a lot of people are aware of that. In Hong Kong, they should have, like, you know, on these business trips, there should be all the men coming and lighting. It would be a great picture to see. That would be really cute. So, Masech the Shabbos, over here, Daf of Gimel Abad Aleph, he says, Rav Shesha says, A guest is obligated in lighting the Hanukkah light in the place where he's being hosted. And the Gemara says from Rav Zera, At first, when I was studying in the yeshiva, I would participate with perutot, with copper coins, together with the host, so that I would be a partner in the light that he kindled. After I married my wife, I said, now I certainly need not do so because they light on my behalf in my house. So the Rav Yah writes the same applies to Shabbos candles. Yeah, that appears to me, the Rav Yah says, that a guest should participate with perutot for the Shabbat candle, just as he should for the Hanukkah candle, unless they are lighting on his behalf in his home. Which means he's talking about even if you're staying, let's say, in a friend's house, right? Let's say you go to someone's house in Evan Yehuda, or I don't know where, and somewhere else, that you should in a way financially participate in the Shabbos candles that they're lighting on your behalf. Very interesting. But this is, meaning he did preface, this is according to some Rishonim, we'll see what the Psaq is at the end. Yes. If the guest has his own room, the Mordechai writes in the name of Maram Mirotenberg, which is one of our favorite stories that we've shared over here, that since he is responsible to ensure that this room is sufficiently well lit so that he does not trip or fall, he should recite a bracha when lighting in this room. In this case, even if his wife lights in his own home, this will not cover his responsibility to light in his room. Very interesting. So this I'm almost certain before we get there is not the Psaq Halacha. But he says even someone in his own home has the obligation still, even when his wife is lighting. The Maharam says that young men who travel to study Torah away from home must light a Shabbos candle in their room and recite a bracha over it. Right? Because over here he's saying the reason is to not trip. Right? You need to be able to see. Now of course, seemingly, logically... Which that's why the key of Allah is to get the logic behind it. If the logic is to not trip, then obviously electric would solve that issue, right? If you turn the bathroom on in the hotel room or something, that would make sure that you don't trip. It's not pitch black. In those days, they had no electric. So it was, if you didn't have a candle, it was complete darkness. The Shulchan Aruch records both of the above rulings of the Ravya and the Mordechai. And it says exactly what we just said. is going to repeat again in the Shulchan Aruch. I'm not going to read it again. The Mishnah Brewer clarifies that although the Mordechai and Shulchan Aruch refer to Bachrim, young men, which often is referring to singles, in truth this refers to any guest who has his own room, whether he is married or not. The Mishnah Brewer says, This refers to those who have wives, but the husbands travel away from home. Even though one's wife lights in his home, he is not covered by the bracha of his wife, since he has a private room in the place he is staying. If he is not married, he is certainly obligated to light, which means he's talking about if you're on a business trip in Hong Kong, and your wife is lighting at home, she does not take away your obligation to light Shabbos candles because now you're in Hong Kong. So even if she's going to be lighting and say, oh, I have you in mind, honey, and now oh, I miss you, doesn't make a difference. You still have to light your own Shabbos candles. Okay? The Bir Halacha explains in more detail the rationale given by the Marami Rottenberg that a man is not covered by the bracha made by his wife if he's away from her and her own home. 
So we see, I just want to get to, to wrap this whole up. We see three details here. It's beautiful the way they write this in the beige boxes. It's awesome. This is the, you know, the conclusion. Three conclusions. If one has his own room and is not with his wife, he must light candles and recite a bracha due to the factor of shalom bias. Which means when it says shalom bias, it's not talking about shalom bias with your wife, obviously, because she's not there. It's not about shalom bias of not tripping over objects. Yeah. And number two, and even if the hostess has a mind, even if your hostess says, oh, I have you in mind, there's nothing to do. You have your own obligation. Number two, if one does not have his own room and is not with his wife, he must ensure that there is light in that room, but he does not recite a bracha as his wife recites the bracha for him at home. Okay? So that's talking about, so the case about we said about the light, that the electric is only if you don't have your own room. Over here, very, very simple, which I really is the most practical to say. Halakha Halakha If I'm a guest in somebody's home. And you have your own room, and you're not sharing a room with them. All of the time. <laughs> and I have to stay in homes all over the world. Yes. I'm supposed to light each every time. Yes. I'm and the truth is, by the way, I think I made the same mistake. So he's saying, he's saying over here, if you have, if it's an issue of a fire hazard, if it's an issue of a fire hazard, then you light in the lobby or something, but you make, you light Shabbos candles with a bracha. Yeah, that's how you go to the lobby and you light in the lobby, yeah. But you have to light Shabbos candles, that's the key. Which is fascinating, because I think this is a huge, it's a huge shock. Okay, guys, we're continuing to read because it's going to solve a lot of problems. Okay, we're not at the conclusion yet, here we go. The third, by the way, the third conclusion, he says, if he's with his wife, but has a separate room than his wife for whatever reason, then he must ensure there is light, but her bracha covers his lighting as well. Okay, fine, that's a very specific case. Oh, you're saying of where you're, yeah. What is a separate room? And I think we'll get to it. Okay, let's see. Okay, the shmir. Last week about the candles have to be next to where you eat. Exactly. In the hotel was a question because it could be out. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay, so the shmir Shabbos Gehilchasa summarizes these rulings. We're going to read the summary right over here, okay? According to the shmir Shabbos Gehilchasa, a family member who lives at home and is away for Shabbos does not need to light candles at all even if they have their own room, if one can see in the room, even using electric lights from outside or the hallway, and if someone else lights in the place they eat. This is different than the case of the Mordechai, Shulchan Aruch and Mishnah Berurah above, where one must light candles with a bracha if the guest has his own room, since in those times there was not usually any visible light in that room. Okay, so we just solved everything. Okay, what he basically is saying is today that we have electric lights, the whole issue that we were talking about was tripping and falling. Right? It's important to know what's the reason. So if it's tripping and falling, he's saying they, the Mordechai and the Mishnah Bura, they were talking about in the days when everybody had torches and lights. So if there was no torch, no candle, you would trip. You would walk into your room and it, would be an off, it wouldn't be an enjoyable Shabbos. So therefore you need to light. Today that there's electric lights, then they say no. You just turn on the light in the hallway or the bathroom and you're good. So that solves... <laughs> what? What? 
as long as someone's lighting for you at home. That's what he says over here. Meaning, assuming you're that you're... Ready. Now, let's say no, but that's important. No, 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 but that's important. Yeah, yeah, but that's important. He's saying as long as someone is lighting for you at home. Now, let's say, for example, someone is divorced or someone's wife passed away, chas v'shalom. Then they do have to light. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's no. different. That's different, and I think that's different. If you're together with your wife, no. If you're together with your wife, your wife needs to light Shabbos candles. That's yeah, yeah. Let's assume we, what we just said that you somebody is lighting for you. Yeah. On one side of the world, you're on the other side of the world in a hotel room. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 because he's saying it's simply meaning you would naturally, yeah, you would naturally, if you were in your hotel room, you would naturally make sure your room is not pitch black, right? Exactly, that's the kavana, yeah, it's obvious. By the way, you just know, a side note, I, mean, I don't know who said this, but I remember seeing this, and it's actually, I don't know if you guys have experienced this since we've been starting learning this, but your Shabbos is different. When you learn Hilcha Shabbos, your whole Shabbos is different. Because I don't know, like, for example, Erev Shabbos, if you saw the otter video, I love the otter video, of the otter, like, uh, like shampooing his head, and he's playing Shlomo Kavach or whatever. It makes you think about Shabbos differently when you learn the Halacha, right? Like, who knows? Now you learn it. And then one day you'll, oh, I turn on the light and you'll remember this whole thing that people don't even think about because they didn't learn the halacha. You know what I'm saying? So Vahiri's saying today, it's obvious that you're not going to be in pitch black environment today and it's easy also to not be in that environment. Back then they had to go and literally go and light everywhere they wanted light, they had to go and light a torch. So, so it was like... Because the technology came to the yes, room, yes. It's not <laughs> no, because that's the thing, is that when there's a clear... Yeah. Because you might crush it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. That's a great question. Yeah. Who says you can't take medicine now? You can take it now. All this discussion, because of how often discussion, we'll get the technicals. Another reason we're going to yeah, yeah. And Hershey's question is exactly talking to that because there's a, there's a um, emotional concept. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's very. Yeah. Yeah. You need to light. You need to light. Leaving a light in the room is not enough. No, so again, so what he was saying is very important, is that today, today in a way, it's much more, the conclusion is much more simple. Today, basic today is very simple. You need someone in your family who is lighting on your behalf. If there's nobody on your behalf, then you need to light. Because we don't go into today, you know, oh, is there light in the room or everything? Because to us, that's obvious because of the electric that we have. Today, you just need to have someone in your family who's lighting Shabbos candles on your behalf. If no one is, then you have to light, even if you're a guest in someone's home. But, and the, 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 uh, the balakabayas is not good enough? She said that no. Was no. No, you have to so light for... Someone in your family. Someone in your family who's... Just say, Freddie, I always like for you when uh, you're abroad. I, you know what I'm saying? So, no, so generally speaking, no. So generally speaking, what we're saying is it needs to be somebody your who's home. your home. Your home. In your home. So even, for example, if it's As your daughter. Your yeah. Your, even if your daughter and she lives in LA and you live in, in Miami, that's not... It has to be someone in your home. That's why it's your wife. No. Why? 
basically. Yeah. Nobody's home. Your home is in your enemy. Yeah. You have to go on a business trip. You're in your shalai. Wife and family went to Tiberia. Yeah. She lights for you. She lights in Tiberia. When you're yeah. No, no. So it's not that. I don't mean. I don't mean your physical home. I mean your your home, your family unit. Yeah. Your family unit. Yes. When your wife. That's why I'm generally saying your wife. When your wife is the woman who is responsible for your home. So even if you're, she's in both, you're both on vacation. Yeah? What? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of which one? Why? What's the difference? Okay. I say because it's a more severe, yeah. Okay, that's a good. I would also, I would also say that today it's not meaning. It's very uncommon, but people still do crush up. Let's say, let's say someone doesn't want to swallow a pill. It's not crazy for someone to crush a, a Tylenol pill so that it's easier to swallow. So it still happens. I don't think most people do it. I don't think the crushing is like the crushing of Tylenol pill. They were like compounding. Yeah, they were mixing herbs together and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and they have. My mother is Moroccan. She has the, you know, the, you can get like a marble bowl that has the, the thing. I, I never saw her use it one time, but we have it sitting in our kitchen. <laughs> it's like a... Yes. But, but all this is also a slippery slope because um, so what we're learning technically yeah. is in your home you don't have to light chocolate candles. Even your wife she can do uh, she she can do uh, No, so that's a, so that's the thing is that today what he's basically saying is that today because the technology changed the actual has changed. If you're talking about back in the day when they had torches no, and candles and everything, today. yeah, today, today it's why, different. Why do we? Ha- why does my wife? So today it's part of like the sanctification of Shabbos. It's not as much practical. Yeah. Meaning back then, back then it was a practicality. Back then it was you can't see in the house if you don't have Shabbos candles. Today it's nothing like that. Today, yeah. Okay. There's a very big difference when you walk into your home on Friday night and you see the candles than if you don't see the candles. It's not like Shabbos. It's it's more than nice. It's like it adds a spirituality to the home. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, so, but today... What he basically saying, what Hershey was saying, which I think really nails it on the head, is that if you rewind a hundred years, I don't even know, a hundred years, literally, we're not talking about like we actually are the minority of time for most right. cases of halacha. If you rewind a hundred years for thousands of years, to light Shabbos candles was, if there's no Shabbos candles, we don't see anything. Today, it's like, I would almost compare it to like making Kiddush. It's like part of being Mikade Shabbos. That's why it doesn't matter if your wife is over there, if she's in the home or not. It's an idea of someone in your family needs to be Mikade Shabbos through Nere Shabbos. So in a, way, in a way, the funny way to think about it is that it's a completely different mitzvah or reality than it was. It's a totally different mitzvah today, what we have of Nere Shabbos. Right, but, so, like, I, I but I agree with you. It adds a whole atmosphere. And my mother also likes to do, um, she puts like a layer of food coloring so that it looks very nice. Yeah. She makes it. Uh, from a health, uh, from a safety hazard, you can't light candles on a cruise, okay? 
okay. So when I see my wife on a cruise, uh, make, make a bracha over the, the, the electric, it does nothing for my soul. I agree with you. I agree with you. I tell you the truth, by the way, I have been on a cruise, and I don't remember. I thought they did have. I thought they did have lighting fire candles. I thought they did. Yeah. I'm older than I thought. No, I. No, but I think I agree with you. I agree with you, and it is strange. In those situations, it's bizarre, and for a lot of things. For example, even being on the cruise on Shabbos is very bizarre, right? It's a weird environment to be in. It's like an. It's actually, it's, it's, again, it's been on the cruise. Like the last cruise I took was, they have a shul bigger than this place. Yeah. You know, and they have three minyanim going. So it is different, but it's no different than any hotel. Yeah. If you're on a stam cruise, then it's uh, different. But then again, it's like being in a hotel, which is this. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's finish. We're going to finish this piece of the halacha and then we're going to move on. Okay? I have a, I have a problem. Yeah. Oh, but that's the key, and I think he's going to discuss this here. I would, I would imagine that the answer is, is that at a certain age, we don't consider the child no longer becomes a child. There's, there's a certain time where a child is connected to the home and the mother, but then he becomes his own man. Once he's his own man, his mother doesn't help. Yeah, he needs a wife. He needs a wife, and until he has a wife, his mother makes no difference. Yeah. The English translation is not quite what the Hebrew says. What? Read the Hebrew, it's a little different than the English. Oh, yeah? In English, it says? Yeah. What's the difference? Oh, you're saying, oh, the Torah. But that I would think, meaning when he adds Torah, I think it's because when he says to study, it does generally mean halacha Torah. Meaning because there was not, it's only a very recent thing that in general, when you're talking about Bachrim, it's referring to Torah. It's not t- it's talking about uh, studying anything. But that's the question. The kid moves out of home. Yeah. He's got a new home. He goes, no. to, he goes to university. Does he still feel that that's his home? No, so he could feel he could feel whatever he wants, but we're telling him, buddy, you're not a kid anymore. We're telling him now you gotta you gotta pull your own weight. Yeah. 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 And that wouldn't be a question you have for life. Yeah. That's number one. But if you, uh, if you are built a dormitory, exactly. So I would say even more than that. I would say that even if, he's, even if he would be at home, let's say he was given the basement, right? That's the typical example of a guy lives in his parents' basement, right? If he has his own space from a certain age, and I need to see in halacha where it says precisely, from a certain age, he's considered his own man. Even if he lives in his parents' basement, right? Or if he gets his own room in the apartment. It's that now he has the responsibility of an adult. Halachically, not even the parents want him to or not. Halachically, at a certain age, I'm not sure if it's 13, what age exactly, he now has a responsibility of an adult. And his parents cannot do everything for him. I believe it's 13, because that's the age he becomes high of a mitzvah. So that's the age that he already has to, like we have in our society, in our mind, 18. It's like a made-up number. Like if you go around also, it's like, oh, you could drink alcohol at this age, you could do this. We just made up random numbers that just like made sense to us. 
According to the Torah, 13 years old for a boy, 12 years old for a girl, now you are an adult. Now you are responsible. And really, if you think about it... It doesn't change the concept of uh, home, though. His father is older than him, and he also doesn't like candles. He's the father of the home. Yeah. No, so I believe yes. Yeah. By the way, that's also why you see just yeshiva katana, like masifta, boys go away at about 13, 14 years old. They go to yeshiva to a dorm, and they're already now at 13, 14, treated like an adult. But that's a different story, because yeah. in that world, you, you know you're going to go away at 13, and you're never going to come home again in normal circumstances. You're going to continue on. You'll no, but the boy doesn't realize that. Army, yeah. Yeah. But uh, a typical uh, 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 teenager in America who goes to high school and stays at home, and even when he goes to college, the dorm is never his home. He comes home, he comes home for summer, it's, and he may come home after. It's not the same thing as somebody who goes to It's true. It's true. But I mean, generally speaking, you'll see, like you, you were saying about the Hebrew to the English. Generally speaking, the halacha and the Torah usually speaks about the what's meant to be the path. So in general, the way the Torah puts it is that the way of Bachar going to Yeshiva at 13, that is the way it should be. So that's the situation, that's the scenario that they describe. And then we need the Rabbanim to try and apply it to all the other different of going to college and everything. I'd like to ask another question, which is sort of in that realm, but maybe it's a little bit off. Yeah. When you talk about the Bar Mitzvah and Bat Mitzvah, that in, in Halakha, this is when you're the class. Yeah. The Mitziot have changed big time in the fact that um, today a 13 and 12 year old is a child in the most circumstances. In those days, you know, you were going to work, army, whatever. Yeah, and you, learn, you learn from Sarah that there's no, there's no punishment to take until you're 20. So you get a concept of 13 <coughs> and 12, you can explore, not necessarily the concept of an adult. No, so I'll tell you, yeah. The practical application I can't say because it has to be by a, has to be a post-sec who changes it. But I would say is, is that you also should realize what I think from what I've seen in America is that in generally speaking, especially when the Torah says something, the reality is in the hands of your perception. Which means, for example, I know someone who now has a child who's 13, 14. And she asked me, she said, oh, you know, you went away at 13, 14. How could I, like, she looks at him as a baby, right? Because he is the youngest of seven. He's the youngest of a big family. So he's the baby. We can't send him away. He's the cute one. Everyone pinches his cheeks, even though he's 13. He's the baby, right? So I told her, I said, you don't realize your whole view of him as a baby is just your perception. If you would send him away and that he was told, now you're in a dorm. You have to fend for yourself. Mommy's not going to bring you your food every time. You have to go get your own food. All of a sudden, the guy becomes a man. Like, I have seen, literally... Guys the same age, because I was in both, I grew up in Miami, and I went to a yeshiva at a young age. So I saw kids in Miami who went to high school and they stayed at home, and kids who were sent away. The kids who were sent away, I'm not talking about boarding school, I'm talking about like yeshiva, where it's nice, they were treated well. They, they immediately became, at 13, 14, they were adults. They knew how to walk around the streets of anywhere, get anything they needed, go around anywhere they needed. The kids who grew up at home in high school was nowhere near, it took them at least... 18, 19, they had no concept of like, how do I go to the store? It was like, they it didn't understand. These boys in Yeshiva, they were sneaking in. <laughs> they were like at a whole mafia. By the time they were 15, there was a whole hierarchy set up. So I'm saying is that the, 
it is, I think, genuinely, that 13 is the reality. 13, 14 is when someone can be an adult. I don't mean an adult like send them off to, you know, but I mean adult like he's transitioning into that stage. And it's in the person's hands of perception to see what they can trust them with, but how the parents want them to be. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. And even for Americans to think to send a kid to the army at that age is like very. It's a crazy like the American mentality is how old are they? Eighteen when they go to the army? It's very young. It's very young. You think oh he's a kid. And in Israel, it's like you're a full-on gever already. You see these guys, 18, they look like, they even look physically different, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. And in our circle, they don't even go at 18, because the person comes to Israel for a year to party. Yeah. And then they start college, Yeah. Okay, so we're picking up right at the, right by the, the, the Ibit, Shum, continuing from Shemir Shabbos, Gehul he says, sig- significantly, the Shmir Shabbos also notes that one should not light actual candles in an unattended room in cases where doing so may constitute a fire hazard. So that's also a basic rule like we're mentioning here. All of this is applying when there's no hazard. Today, it's generally accepted as a flat rule that you don't leave fire unattended in a room. Yeah. So you don't light in a room. So that's just a basic because we don't want... You know, it's a v'chai bahem, right? You need to live through Torah, not burn down your house. So the, the, the fire needs to be in a place where it is safe. And he continues, Rav Moshe Sternbach disagrees with the assertion of the Shemir Shabbos Kehil that a woman can fulfill the obligation for any regular family member who is not home for Shabbos. In his opinion, this exemption only applies for a woman lighting on behalf of her husband. Like this is what we've been discussing the whole time. <coughs> so it's actually a machlekes. But if one of the children who lives at home or other household members is away one week, they should need to light candles and recite a bracha if no one else lights for them. Accordingly, he asks what the halacha should be concerning those who sleep in yeshiva dormitories. Okay, so that's what we're going to stop here today for the tzurba. Um, But that's, like you were mentioning, is that over here, this is actually a machlekes between the Shemir Shabbos Kehil and Rav Moshe Sternbach. Rav Moshe Sternbach says that only your wife can take away your obligation. The Shemir Shabbos Kehil says any woman in your family that lights on your behalf could take away your obligation, whether any it's your person. mother. Any person. any person, yeah, any person, excuse me. Yeah, any person can take away your obligation. And then he continues and mentions, like you were saying, also in the house, which he seems to imply from what he said, that if the hostess is lighting for you, then that it would be okay. So he does mention that. So we're getting all these pieces falling into place to the conclusion, and we're going to stop and pick off next week with lighting in a dormitory. Okay? Lighting for who? Uh, 